Hi, I'm Stephanie, and welcome to Knowledge Post College, where we talk about life in and after college. Here, we're constantly taking L's, whether that's literally or figuratively. But on here, we try to break it down to three major L's, lifestyles, lows, and lessons we've been through or experienced. As you can hear, today it is just Stephanie, no Jin, so we cannot do the icebreaker segment we typically do at the start of every episode. Now, welcome to our 13th episode. I am very excited to be doing this special edition episode for you guys. You guys may have remembered for the last time there was um, a single host podcaster, Jin. She did an episode on 23 lessons learned at 23 during her birth month. Well, first of all, I am not yet 23, and it is not my birth month yet, so I am going to save that topic for another day. For my separate episode today, I actually wanted to go through the topic of defining your 20s. So this episode's going to kind of break apart from our traditional structure of lifestyle lows and lessons, but I think with this topic of defining um, your 20s, it actually is going to indirectly cover those three segments without having to structure them this time around. Now, I'm going off in this um, big puzzle, and you guys are probably wondering, what, what does defining your 20s mean? Well, you guys may have heard the book, Defining Your 20s, or actually, the full title is The Defining Decade, Why Your 20s Matter. This is a very, very popular book. I've seen a lot of my friends read it, um, and they, they really enjoyed reading it. Um, this is not going to be a book review episode. No, that is not it because I shamelessly, shamefully have not finished reading this book. So I cannot do a book review and sit down with you guys and spill the tea on whether I like the book or not because I I um, shamefully did not finish it. I did start it for a bit, but um, I never got the chance to finish it. And I think it's because I'm the type of person that tends to start a lot of books, but it, um, which equally interests me, but I need one that, that really holds me in to finish it through. And um, for context, I started this book, I also started Range, which I also really like for all y'all generalists just like me out there who has too many interests um, and would like to kind of understand why. So I started this book, Defining Your 20s, I've started Range, and I've also started um, a fiction book, The Silent Patient. Have not finished any of them shamelessly, so we're not we're not doing that. So, what what exactly did I have in, in store for today? If I'm not if I'm not gonna do a review on this defining your twenties book, well, I think um, we can we can still talk about defining your twenties. Um, this is my alternate uh, fun activity for myself, but I invite you all to do this activity with me. Write down the questions I'm about to share and ask these questions to yourself. One thing I tend to do a lot is self-reflect and take it to what you think that, you know, is for you. For me, it is overthinking, but at the same time, for me, it means planning. Planning uh, my future, but at the same time, it also means thinking about who I am right now, how I'm feeling, checking in with myself. And with that being said, because I didn't finish the book Defining Your 20s, I still wanted to think about um, where I'm at in my 20s today. And I actually Google searched 
questions you should ask yourself when you're 20. And I actually went through a couple web pages, fun reads, but there were two web pages in particular that really stuck to me. And I am going to give these proper, proper web page owners credit. But there were two web pages um, that I came across. This one is a Medium article by Nicholas Goki. I might be saying it wrong, so I apologize. And it was a blog um, where he wrote the most powerful questions that, that shaped my 20s so far. And I had a good read and I wanted to ask myself these questions as well. Um, it's been some time since I read this actually. It's been a few weeks to a month. So take it with a grain of salt um, as I answer these questions. Okay, so the first question that Nicholas asked himself um, in shaping his 20s is, where do I need to go to find myself? And when I read this question, multiple things come to mind. Is this a place? Is this a person? Do I need to go to a place to find myself? Do I need to go to a person? Um, do I need to join something? It's funny because I'm asking this question to myself and now I feel like I'm asking as if there was an invisible person in front of me, as if I'm asking someone else and giving them example um, answers to guide them through their answer. But when I read this question, where do I need to go to find myself? Um, I actually don't physically think of a place. Um, I don't physically think of a location. And I think because for me, home um, or where I feel the most inspired and, and creative is not actually a physical location. Physical locations are locations. It's the people um, that make the experience for me. And I think where do I need to go to find myself is surrounding myself with people who make me feel like I'm at my best self, who constantly inspire me. So to this question, where do I need to go to find myself? I think it's um, to my friends and family and mentor figures in my life. Um, the older sisters and brothers and aunts um, figures in my life. So mentors, friends, and family. That is where I need to go to find myself. Because I think um, for me personally, I get so inspired when I'm around the right people. and. I really learn a lot about myself as I talk to these people about what's going on in my life. So now to this question, I'm going to ask you, where do you need to go to find yourself? Question number two, what's the most impractical career that would make me happy if I went for it? Um, to me, a job is more than a job it's it's a career yes it pays money um, and money pays for bills which you know accounts for a cost of living and traveling and limits a lot of the things you can or cannot do um, but for me I want to build a career I don't just want to go after something for money I want to do something that I love and get paid for it um, something that makes me feel super meaningful and satisfied so when I ask myself this question, what is the most impractical career that would make me happy if I went for it? I think there are two things. Um, one, it would be to be an author. 
I've always liked writing. I love stories. I love story listening and I like love storytelling as well. It's one of my biggest hobbies and yeah, that is my first impractical career that would make me happy if I went for it, to be an author. Um, the second the second thing that I would totally do um, is to be like a crazy social scientist. Um, actually, these things aren't that impractical now that I think about it. Maybe number one is more impractical. I think to be a best-selling author is not something that happens day to day. I guess I could go through a lot of schooling um, and become that crazy, you know, mad scientist researcher. But yeah, these these are the two things that I would totally be happy going for. And it's funny because that relates to my day to day, which I think was kind of um, an in between of these two. In my day to day, I'm writing and creating campaigns and assets, um, listening to feedback from clients and telling their stories. And I love to leverage science. I love to do testing to see what works, what doesn't. So it's a good in-between, but I think one day it'd be really exciting to do the impractical options as well. The third question, why do I want what I want? <laughs> um, I guess I have to share with you guys what I want first, and this is just to a high level. I think the first thing I want is to live a fulfilling life with the people I care about. So. When I think about what I want, it's not something just for myself. I want the people that matter to me, my friends and family, to be there as well. It's the first thing I want, to live a fulfilling life with the people I care about. Um, the second thing I want is a very fulfilling career. Um, some people would rather not work a day in their life if they just had the money and they would just spend money to travel and eat, which sounds really, really fun um, to each their own. But I, I think for me, I actually want to work, um, not not work on doing things I don't care about, but like work um, and tackle, I don't know, challenging topics that really picks up my brain. Um, and the third thing, I want to travel the world. That is a life goal of mine. The fourth thing I want is to be a part of a nonprofit um, regularly, whether that's just volunteering for now and eventually, you know, being a board member. And the fifth thing I want is to own a house someday. So these are the five things I want. And I think back to this question number three, why do I want what I want? I think the first thing, um, you know, being with people I care about, well, I think about this and maybe it's because I value, I value my relationships with people, um, or I can use science to explain this. <laughs> um, according to, to science and psychology and sociology and the communication classes I took, we as a society would rather, you know, would rather die than to be isolated our entire lives. We live life um, with other people. So I'm not saying that I need someone to be with me 24-7 in life. I do enjoy my downtime, but in life, um, we do need to have people in our life. So explaining it in two ways. The Stephanie way, which is, you know, 
I value my relationships and community and quality time, but also the science way, where we as a human society function by meeting and growing with others, being with others. The second thing, a fulfilling career. Why do I want this over just, just obtaining money? Um, when I think back at it, it's just a lot of the things I enjoy in life. Um, I actually always loved studying and learning and reading about theories. I spend my time googling things that I really don't have to google about. <laughs> I spend my time learning things on um, YouTube that I really could be, and I do enjoy watching like dramas and movies and TV shows as well, but I spend a good amount of my time like just learning things. Like these things make me, I love nerding out and geeking out about things. And I guess that's probably why I want to have a fulfilling career because I, I don't mind doing work um, as long as it's something fulfilling. I don't like not tackling like intellectual academic problems actually. There were times when I took too much of a break from that and I, I just couldn't enjoy my time with too long of a break actually. It's weird. I know. I don't know. I'm trying to answer this why do I want what I want question thoroughly, but it's hard. <laughs> um, and the third thing I want, which is travel, and I'm sure everyone has a different answer as to why they want to travel, but for me, it's just, I mean, it's multiple things. It's learning about people and places and seeing these people and places different from what I grew up with. I love, again, learning new things and seeing new things. I love trying new food. I love trying um, different cuisines. I love seeing what's special about a place, um, what makes it different, and seeing those differences in comparison to what I grew up with. I think traveling, one, it's like amazing memories. Dang, a bus just passed by and it's hella loud. Um, one, one, traveling is just really amazing memories with the people I care about. Um, I have yet to go on a solo trip, actually. So right now, it's travel is really nice memories with people I care about. And two, it just makes me come out with the bigger perspective of the world I don't I'm not so in my own circle I get to see what's going on with the world seeing my privilege um, in comparison to other places I've been to or seeing things that I would want in my life that I don't see in my day-to-day -day and working towards that and also traveling is kind of just like a vacation um, a getaway from my regular day-to-day -day. It's, it's a nice time off um, the nonprofit. Why do I want to be a part of that? I think growing up as a first-gen student, um, my parents are refugees and immigrants here from Vietnam. I think going through that um, and being very, very fortunate to have the life I have today, because not many people, you know, come out of escaping war. Not many people, you know, graduate. It's, it's hard, right? Um, being first gen when you don't have those examples in front of you and not everyone is able to find what they like to do and build a career having all that today and there's much you know I still want to develop in my life but just having that baseline really makes me want to give back um, to my community and the nonprofits that helped me get to where I am today the nonprofits that you know taught me how to apply for a scholarship or the people who volunteered at nonprofits to read you know, personal statements when my parents couldn't do that for me. So that's why I want to be a part of nonprofit.
because of my identity and my upbringing. And the last thing, which is like owning a house. Um, to be honest, this wasn't that big of a dream of mine. It was more so my parents' dream. <laughs> um, they, they've always wanted to be like homeowners and they're not homeowners. Um, so in a way, I'm kind of like living that, they're living that dream vicariously through me. But as I get older, um, I actually do want my own place. Um, I want to invest in real estate. Well, one, I want to design my own space. It will fully feel like it's mine from head to toe. And then two, I also want to invest in, you know, buying spaces to round out to others. I just think it's um, a good, it's a good practice on both ends. It's my parents' dream and I'm not doing it solely just for them, but they do mean a lot to me. Okay. That was a very long answer to question number three. Question number four, what's the lowest standard of living I'm willing to tolerate right now? And I love this question actually, because I feel like it picks at, well, what is the worst condition I'm willing to go through to get closer to what I ideally want? Um, and maybe, I like this question because I think it applies to me, actually. And I have been very, very fortunate, you know, the past two months, very lucky um, to have gotten converted and promoted. It's, it's amazing. It's not something that happens every day. And it's, it's really hard, I think, to have given been given so much and to you know step down um as much as i love you know the promotion and the conversion and the pay that i'm getting you know having a paying role if i want to travel the world you know i can't travel the world every day and still have my job um doesn't work that way because my my job is not one that lets me travel every single day and if I want to be an author, I guess I could be an author on the side at night, um, but I can't do you know that with my full time, having two full times. So I've been thinking about this question a lot, and I think I'd be willing um, to actually give up, and this is hard to say, to this question, what's the lowest standard of living I'm willing to tolerate right now? I, I think I could tolerate giving up you know, this new profound sense of security of a full-time conversion and a promotion, if the opportunity permits that, you know, I get to do something even closer to my impractical dreams. With that being said, I probably can't give up, you know, this for, you know, zero income. I, I can't tolerate that right now. But I would be willing to tolerate a pay cut or going back to contracting if that means the opportunity is closer to where I want to be in the future. Whether that's, you know, being an author, being a scientist, or actually being closer to where I want to be in marketing. Right now I do more generalist campaigning um, and content, and I actually want to make the transition to product uh, marketing. So if there is a role out there closer to product marketing, or if there's a role out there closer to um, my mentor, then I, I'd be willing to take on a lower standard of living, not zero, 
income. I, I can't right now um, personally and for my family, but I'd be willing to do like a cut. So, and leave what's, you know, the, the new profound security I received from being converted. Number five, what kind of life do I want to avoid at all costs? <laughs> and I think there's two answers to this question. The first thing, I want to avoid being in debt at all costs. I've never been in debt and I never want to be in debt. I grew up with parents um, kind of telling me, you know, the importance of education um, and also not just education, but when opening a bank account, I've been taught, you know, to not spend more than you have, etc. So I've always been taught, you know, at a high level to not, you know, put yourself in poverty and to not spend more than you have. So I do not want to be in debt. That is a life I want to avoid at all costs. And I think that ties back to my answer for number four, where I'm, I'm willing to tolerate a lower standard of living, but I'm not willing to tolerate like zero income altogether, just not at this moment for me. But the second answer to this question, what kind of life do I want to avoid at all costs? Um, it is being being stuck doing something that I don't want to do or that I'm not passionate about um, or being with people that do not make me feel, you know, inspired or encouraged. So I think that's what ties back to my answer for why I want a fulfilling career and not just a job. I could get paid, but... If I am doing something that I do not like or with people that I do not enjoy being with, I'd be very, very upset because to me, a role is more than just money and a job. It is a fulfilling career for me. And I know that it's a privilege to say because some people cannot choose. They cannot choose to build a career. They just need a job to raise their family. And I'm in this very lucky position where I get to have all these self-reflecting moments and think about how I want to map out my life. But to this question, two lives I want to avoid. One, being in debt, and two, doing something I do not enjoy, being with people I do not enjoy just for the money. These are the five questions on Nicholas um, Nicholas's Medium article that he reflected on and how it shaped his 20s so far. It's gotten a lot of reads, 82K. So I challenge you to ask yourselves these five questions. Before I end it there, there is actually another site with questions that I really enjoyed reading about and asking myself. So these five questions are from The Mental Well by Emily Rodriguez. Her first question that she asked herself is, what are my values? And this is something that doesn't really change that much actually for me. A lot of things change over time for me, like the food I like to eat, um, I don't know, things I like to study, kinda, new things come in, what I like to read, but I feel like my values don't really change over the years as I reflect on this. And my values um, are actually, I think I answered this in a way already in the earlier questions, but is family and friends. So the people dear to me, it means a lot to me 
to be present for them um, and they make a big part of a lot of the decisions I make in life, right? Um, whether it's income, whether it's where um, I spend my time on, where I choose, how far away I choose to be from home when I was, you know, choosing my undergrad. So my values, number one, it is family and friends. My second value is doing things I'm passionate about slash continuous learning. So I guess that adds into the whole spiel about a meaningful and fulfilling career. And the third thing um, that is of much value to me is, I guess, contributing to the betterment of society, being a part of something that is, being a part of something or being a part of a mission that is bigger than me. <laughs> um, that is very cheesy and cliche, but I want to be a part of something impactful or do something impactful to society. Not quite sure what it is just yet. Um, there are some, a lot of things that make me tick, like I said, being a first-gen student and helping out other first-gen students, um, or whether it's opening up doors for people, more representation um, for women in the workforce. I don't know, a lot of things there, a lot of ideas there, but these are my, my core three family, friends, continuous learning slash, you know, meaningful career. And the third thing is doing something for the betterment of society. Second question, what do I need to undo? And um, there are a couple things I need to undo, but I think the first thing is to, you know, put my, I mean, I do put myself first, but I often find myself also putting my my interests under someone else's, um, whether that's at work, with you know family, with friends. Sometimes I see myself kind of agreeing to things that honestly are not my first interests, um, and I feel like I'm not doing anyone a service. I'm doing myself a disservice because I end up not feeling happy about it. I'm doing the other party a disservice because they probably, you know, do not know <laughs> my underlying feelings. need to undo that. Second thing I need to undo, um, it's more so, actually, no, I, I think I do this at home too, but at home and in the workforce or in academia, I would apologize a lot. Um, and to an extent, I'm not saying I should never apologize because I should take responsibility for my actions, but I need to undo apologizing with everything. Sometimes it even just like talking in a group chat, a group setting at work, and I would apologize for interrupting someone. And if I think about it, like people interrupt me all the time. I don't even, like, I don't think it's okay to interrupt people. I'm still not going to interrupt people. I still like to wait for people to finish talking and then I speak up. But I would do that. I would listen to someone talk and then I would speak up and be like, sorry, but I'm like, wait, why am I sorry for interrupting or sharing my thoughts? Um, so apologize less. I need to undo the, the um, apologies. Um, the third thing I need to undo, I think, um, is just it's hard. I get it. It is hard. <laughs> um, it is, you know, the complaining aspect. I do get upset at things and I complain and then I'm like over it the next day and then I think about it and it's like 
I'm over it most things the next day anyway, so I can just save myself the complaining part because, like, it's not like things get to me for, like, two, three weeks for the, for the death of me. So just, you know, take a deep breath, hold it in for a day because the next day I am going to get over it anyway. So it's really not worth my time complaining. The third question is what can I do now to make my life easier? in five years. Well, actually, it's what can I do now to make my life better in five years from now? And I thought about this question a lot because, again, it depends on how you take on it. Isn't it making my life better in terms of higher pay or is it higher flexibility um, in work-life balance? Um, Is it, you know, being with more people I care about or taking out people in my life there is a lot of things I can do to make my life better (laughs) in five years if I think about it this way but to sum it up in just one answer because I can go off in many many tangents is to be true to myself I think we all know ourselves very well we sometimes think we don't but deep down at the core when we hear something um, or look at something we know when we like it or when we don't like it when we taste something Whatever it is we um, take in, we know if we like it or not. And what I can do to make my life better in five years is to go after what I know will make me happy and take out what I know will not. Sometimes we have these thoughts like, uh, you know, it's maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe it's not so bad. Um, We try to convince ourselves of things, but I think in the end we know what we want. So what I can do to make my life better is to to go after what I know I want and to stop giving excuses for things I know I do not want. Question number four. Would I take anything back? There's a lot of things I think I would take back, but at the same time I think about this question and I think like my, my decisions is what made me to who I am today as a person. And changing that, I think, would change the whole course of history. That's, like, (laughs) long-winded. But I think I would take out my earlier immaturity. Yep, that's something I would take back. Um, Whether that's with friendships or with family members or with work people, like, I could have taken out, taken back my early immaturity. But now looking back in hindsight, um, moving forward, I just know how to better handle these situations there were times when I ended up doing things that I didn't really enjoy whether that's taking a class or starting a role it would have been great if I could take it back to be honest and not go through you know the unenjoyment of these things but would I take it back probably not because I feel like doing these things that I didn't enjoy made me know what I do enjoy so in hindsight it taught me more about myself So I wouldn't really take anything back, but more so just be a better person to people and to myself moving forward. Um, And the last question, which is a really heartwarming question, is would my 15-year-old self like my adult self? And wow, to think back to 15-year-old Stephanie, I was a high school student. I was a sophomore going into junior year. And I was doing my very first internship, actually, and volunteering. Um, and why did I do that? Like, I did an internship because my um, one of my friends 
learned about it from her older sister and I didn't even know what internships meant at the time and I didn't even know I could do get a paying job at that age so it seemed like a win-win I went for it and at that time I was just like very loud about what could be I was already because of that first paying job I saw what people did post-grad very different than what my parents did and I was at this really old city and county building by the way it was nothing glamorous um I was very excited to be there every day at the time to just be learning more about what could be even if it was something very simple like looking at documents and shredding them um and I kind of took that first experience and had this whole mission each summer after every year after um to take it the next step you know take my role my next role is the next step and I think my 15 year old self would be proud of that aspect of me that I continued to learn and and take that next step I've went through so much from city and county to community development to nonprofit internships to um, corporate pharmaceuticals to tech and now to marketing for banking so 15 year old career starting Stephanie would be proud of 22 year old adult Stephanie in terms of career Um, but 15 year old Stephanie also wanted to be a therapist Um, and I don't really want to be a therapist anymore not a hundred percent I didn't I didn't um, sink that dream but you know one internship came after another and it just fueled this whole you know um, marketing and research path for me but I think that little girl that 15 year old girl who was really into psychology and therapists um, would want my current self to continue exploring that slim possibility of my old dreams do you ever give up on your old dreams I don't think if I I don't think I ever had I think other things that I was interested in just kind of came into my life but to this question I think 15 year old self would like my adult self does she love my adult self no I think there is a work in progress (laughs) Um, but 15 year old me is proud of um, keeping her values true to her okay guys I challenge you guys to ask these questions I've asked myself because now that I've asked these questions to myself I think it really kept me grounded actually in who I am and what I value and what I care about tying connecting the dots together into this you know holistic look but um, it didn't just keep me grounded it also made me look at what I want to do in in the future not so much a specific role but the life I want to carve out for myself and I think most importantly it also made me reflect on what I'm willing to sacrifice to get there what is the lowest I guess cost of living and I like how these questions kind of ask you well what are some impractical things you would do it kept the, the little the little kid and the dreamer in me as well. So this was not this was no book review readout of defining your twenties, um, defining decade why your twenties matter. I keep getting that title wrong. <laughs> um, it was not that. Apparently, it's a really good book. So I think 
you and I should actually attempt reading that book as well. But in the short term, in the interim, I ask, I challenge you guys to ask these questions to yourself, and I would be delighted to hear about what you guys come up with. And let's 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 define our twenties together. Also, let me know what you guys think about this type of podcast. It's my first time actually doing a a readout activity, but I actually kind of liked pretending there are people invisible in front of me. Um, I guess imagining you guys here and doing this activity together. So if it's something you guys like, let me know. If it's something you guys thought was annoying, also let me know. That's the end of our episode. Thanks for tuning in to our Knowledge Post College podcast. If you like what you heard and you want to learn more about us, we have new content every Thursday. So be sure to check out our Instagram, YouTube, and blog, which is also at Knowledge Post College. You can now support Knowledge Post College via anchor payments starting at 99 cents per month. Jen will be back on the next episode, and let's chat soon next Thursday.